This episode is sponsored by Agent CRM. If you're in sales and tired of paying three, four, or five different companies for your email, CRM, funnels, phone, follow-up automation, check out Agent CRM. It's an all-in-one tool that combines all that you need to reach out, nurture, and close your clients. They've got weekly support calls so you can get up and running in no time. Get a free 14-day trial by going to the link below in the show notes. Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Intentional Entrepreneur Podcast. I have Mike Merrigan and Bo Court, who are best friends, business partners, and real estate moguls. Over the past 30 years, they have acquired hundreds of properties and built over 43 companies. Now they want to teach others how two small town guys from Arizona did it and how you can too. Are you fed up with the typical financial freedom gurus? Mike and Bo are the breath of fresh air that you've been so desperately needed. Welcome to the show, Mike and Bo. What's happening, man? How you doing? Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yep. I'm Mike and that's Bo. Thank you so much, you guys, for hanging out with us, uh, for your time. I know you guys are very busy, but I think you guys have a lot of awesome, valuable information, and we're happy to share your message to the world. And today we want to talk about your three Ds, the keys to finding undervalued business opportunities. But before we kind of get into that, can you share a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're today? Sure. Sure. Yeah, uh, Mike and I were, were graduated from the same high school, like four miles down the road. Mike is a few years older than me, um, but we both had the same path, man. We were entrepreneurs from the time we were kids, hustling. He was, he's got stories of selling coasters, and and uh, I was doing front yard landscapes when I was like 10 years old, man. It, it was just always in my blood to make money, and Mike's the same way. Um, Mike was actually, funny story, he was in the Rotary Club with my dad, Dude's only like 18 years old. And he's in there with all these old cats that are 40s, 50s, and 60s. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing with all these old cats, man? That's weird. But I was, I was in high school at the time, and, and I was mesmerized by it because I was looking to get started in something. And Mike had a uh, he had a chain of video stores when he was like 18, 19 years old. And it was wild to see a guy that young uh, in, in business doing it. And uh, so uh, – we, we kind of both had the same path um, because of him and my dad being friends, being in, in Rotary together. I got to know Mike a little bit. He's got a younger brother that was more my age, so I knew of Mike. And then we've been best friends for 25 years and bouncing ideas off one another for probably the first 10 or 15. And then we've been business partners ever since. And uh, the power of that partnership, man, just blew shit up. We uh, got involved in, we had businesses. We all, we both had multiple businesses at the time that we started doing partnerships together, but mm -hmm. then we took the profits from those businesses and started buying real estate and it just gets easier and easier. You just got to get off your ass and get out there and do it. And then, it, you know, you fine tune your craft and, and we feel like we're, we're getting better at it every day and still looking to grow. And my, yeah. mine, mine started out and my last job was when I was 18 years old. But um, I've been self-employed, and I knew that I was, when I was young, I knew I had to work for someone. I knew I couldn't work for someone. So I knew right away that I was going to be self-employed, and I was just looking for an opportunity after I graduated from high school. Got with a cousin that at a funeral, a distant cousin from Fargo that had a chain of video stores, and we'd gotten drinking one night and said he wanted, he'd expand and want to do all this. Well, I just took that knowledge, went back, found three different locations, Called him up, did my research, and said, hey, I've got these things ready to look at. And he was a man of his word, and he flew down and 
Six months later, we opened up our first location. A year later, I was able to buy him now, and we had a couple other partners, wow. so I bought them out and just got started in the video store business. But back then, it was um, if you got a location open, you were making money. So made an, got another location going, another location, took that into laundromats, opened up a chain of laundromats, car washes, and just always liked, um, I liked the retail part of it, the brick and mortar part of greeting the customers and seeing the, the hands-on part of it. Um, always knew one of anything wasn't going to be enough. So I had to open businesses that had enough profit where I could have a manager, pay the expenses, pay myself and have enough profits to either scale the business or take those profits and invest in real estate. And that's what we've done. And that's what we continue to do. So both of you have been, you know, entrepreneurs for a very long time, going back to seemingly the, the childhood. Yes. Yeah. A little bit about, you know, how was it growing up? Were, did you come from middle class, lower income? you know, upper class, was being an entrepreneur a necessity for you or was it just something that was inside of you that you wanted to do? Our, our parents were entrepreneurs, but probably on a small scale, so lower middle class, but they, uh, both of our parents, his mom and dad and my mom and dad were grinders, man. They worked their ass off, but they didn't have the ideas of scaling and backing their way out of the company or, or growing it huge. Um, which I think Mike and I, you know, we put in our years of just grinding behind the counters of our companies um, and then started to get the ideas of once we fine tune our craft and we realized that we were going to hire people and put them in place. Mike's been, was probably better at that at the beginning um, because he never had a key to one of his businesses. He, he got a manager that was in there. They got the key and don't call me, just handle business. I'm going I'm to give you all the tools to be a badass and now it's up to you and I'm going to pay you like a badass. So, run that company as though it's your own because I'm going to go open another one and another one and another one. And I need quality people around me. So Mike had that from the get, I, I, I got it after a while, you know, I got too integrated into some of my companies. And once I did start back in my way out, I did realize that it's a lot easier to scale once you empower the people around you. Yeah. So we had parents that just owned their own business, one location of whatever it was. And kind of the old school way of doing business, but I knew my parents have strong personalities. I knew I was going to be a business. I had an opportunity to buy their business. It wasn't going to work, and so I didn't do that. Though he did buy out his parents after he went to college, came back, was looking for a business opportunity, bought out his um, family business. He still owns it today, but then got into pools, and now we have a construction company, pool company, Houston Motorsports. We've got five locations there. We have probably 40-plus storage complexes, multifamily, flex space. Um, fabrication, a fabrication shop, construction company. Construction we got company. multiple companies that are uh, managing now. And I um, run a chain of, uh, we have a uh, video, I mean, not video stores, uh, furniture stores. Furniture stores. <laughs> His primary thing is pools, but um, business is all the same, man. You just got to treat people amazing. Treat your employees amazing. Be a good person. Do what you say you're going to do. Be disciplined and persistent. Give a fair value, overperform. And most people just don't do those simple things. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because one of the questions I have is because you're such in a wide variety of businesses and uh, how do you kind of like duplicate yourself? What are the skills across across all the businesses that, that you need? One thing is just be an honest, good person. That starts out with that. And then we... When you're that type of person and hardworking, energetic, you attract other people. So we're not experts in everything business we own. We have a fabrication cop uh, place and we go there and we see sparks flying ev everywhere. We don't know what the heck they're doing. But we do know business and we do know how to re uh, recognize great talent. So we are big into partnerships. 
So mm-hmm. if you've got the ability to make doorknobs and you see a sprint in front of us of how we're going to blow it away in doorknobs, we're into it, man. So we love partnering with great people that are expert in their field. What we can bring to the table is when a lot of times people just don't have the confidence to do it on their own. They see that we've done it so many times. So maybe just rely on the Wizard of Oz so we can help them that way. Maybe it's a financial backing. We can help it that way. All businesses have the same type of back end. And so we're, we're experts on that, but we're probably not expert in the field that they want to get into. So if we can see the partnerships can work, we're real careful about who we get in bed with, but we're really good partners. Everybody's got to bring value, you know, whether the partner that we bring on. And then if there's a situation where someone's pitching a deal to us and we realize that we can't bring any value to it, we're not interested in doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So today we're talking about how to find undervalued businesses. And you guys have this thing called, called the three D's. And so can you share with us the first D that you guys use to find undervalued businesses? One thing is death, death, divorce. <laughs> right. Honestly, those are the D's, man, and, and distressed okay. properties. So mm. like Houston Motorsports, the nicest two guys you ever met owned Houston Motorsports, and they had a chain of four or five of them at one time. Yeah, I think so. When we bought it, they had their mother store. But they'd already done their time. He, The guy once told me that we bought it from um, – he said, he goes, when I got into the business, we were young, hotshot guys, and no one liked us in the industry because we were doing things different. He goes, and then all these years later, we're on the other side, and now we're still in that industry, and now nobody likes us because we do things different. So they're still using fax machines and whatever else. So it's time to, to leave. And so they ran their race. They loved their business. We partnered, partnered up with a guy that was already an expert in that field and in that neighborhood. We partner up and he runs the daily operations. He's an amazing partner, does an amazing job. And we've taken it from one location to five locations in how long? Uh, less than three years. Less than three years. But it's if you find the old guy that's done, he's tired, he's ran his race, and then he's just looking for someone that's going to take his legacy and show respect and build from that. And the country is full of you know, men, women, call it whatever you want, but old guys that want to hand the keys to someone and you just got to be that person, be looking for that opportunity. But the whole country, there's a bunch of people that want to give the keys to someone else. And it's usually not their kids. A lot of times it can be, but it's not a lot of times. And then the other thing is the old guy doesn't get to sell it to us or someone else. So they pass and now the kids have it and they hate it and they just want to give the keys to us also. So it keeps happening that way. Yeah. Now is, so like I have clients in the real estate industry and for them finding distru- distressed properties is going pounding the pavement, right? Yes, um, yes. Right. So is that, is that, is that true for non-real estate, you know, businesses? Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. Like right now we've got uh, two different properties that we're, that we're uh, going to be putting into escrow. One of them's in escrow. The other one's getting ready to be put into escrow. The first one it was uh, it was dilapidated. It had weeds. The the guy was a hoarder. He's got all of his shit stacked in there, and and no one would be interested in buying it. But us, because we recognize the value add that we can bring with our expertise to build it out and make it a storage facility. So we just knocked on the guy's door and made it happen, and we're buying the property. And the guy's cleaning it out right now. It's an escrow. The other story is we went through a realtor to go look at a property that they're asking like one point three million dollars for it. We think it's probably worth five or 600000 Anybody would be, think they were crazy even going to take a look at it. We go take a look at it, realize that it's a death, and the people that own or are, uh, uh, are operating the trust are trying to get top dollar for it. 
They don't, they're from California. They're not in our area. They don't know what it's worth. They valued it based off of California pricing and they put it up for 1.3. They're tired. They're sick and tired of driving back and forth. So we're probably going to put an offer on it for five or 600,000. Might get it, might not. But the day that we're there talking to the realtor that's representing the trust, tells us about another property we already know of in our area, just came back on the market. We looked at it five years ago. We're going out and we're probably going to close the deal. I just, before jumping on the podcast, made arrangements to meet with the owner tomorrow morning. We're going to go talk to the wife. We, we met with the husband. Yes, what, like two days, two days ago. But but that's how it works. You just, uh, you know, identifying the opportunities, setting up the meetings, talking to everybody, letting them know what your intentions are and that you're constantly chasing, whether it's a fourplex or a duplex or a light industrial or a flex space or storage, contact me. But it's funny, the, the building that we're talking about that we're going to talk to the wife now, um, we looked at it in 2019 and they were old then and they wanted to retire and they had these big plans to take these European trips and stuff. But guess what happened? They didn't retire. They just worked it until they actually closed the business. Now it's a big steel building with some storage on the property that they used to do repairs on and stuff. And now we're buying it from them. They're probably never going to take a trip now, but it's $200,000 less than it was in 2019. Well, what was the pickup truck in 2019? There are a lot more today. This has already gone $200,000 less. And they're five years older. They're five years older. They would have been much better off selling it to then. But that's what this country is full of, a bunch of people that are tired. So we're doing them a favor. They're doing us a favor. They've lowered the price. I know we're going to be able to come up with a deal. They're even interested in doing owner financing now because they don't want to give it all to the government. So it's a win, 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 win. And it's all about being patient, looking for opportunities, always striking, and getting a bunch of no's. And a no to us just means maybe later. Yep. That's all they're saying. Maybe later. We've never heard the word no. And we're getting all day long. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about this last particular deal. You know, the first contact you made was five years ago. Yes. So yes. what? What uh, do you do? You kind of maintain a particular database. Like, hey, we haven't contacted them in a couple of years. Let's check back in. Or absolutely. are they coming back to you? Yes. Yeah, yes. We did. All a lot of our deals take years. Yeah, it takes years. The other thing that I do is I put the ball in their court. I, I follow up. You know, myself. And then we've got partners, so we're constantly going back through. We got a list. We, we, uh, our our uh, property here, uh, our business, our LLC in this corporation is called Whiteboard Properties. But we got whiteboards all over the place. And there's properties that we've been looking at over the last four to five years. So we're constantly going back through even our white our whiteboards just to look and see, hey, what, what's the deal with that one? When's the last time you talked to them? Look up on the whiteboard. Okay, it's been six months. Let's call them back up again. But we're persistent about doing that. But uh, the point that I was going to get to before is, Whenever I do talk to somebody, even whenever I get a no, I acknowledge the fact that at some point in time, something could change in your life where you do want to sell. Or you got a family member that you're going to, you know, uh, will it to, and they're going to possibly want to sell. So just do me a favor, and, and I'd make sure that I establish a relationship with them, that at that point in time, before you just go call the local realtor and do a listing, just call me. I'll take a look at it. Maybe the price that you want to sell it for and the price that I want to pay for it doesn't match up. No big deal. You lose nothing, but maybe you're going to save on paying that commission to that realtor because you already got a buyer right here and me. So just do me a favor and give me a call before you guys do ever go to list it. And most people are kind and they go, yeah. all right, yeah, no problem, bro. I appreciate you seeing something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I follow back up in six months and then they, it, we've had deals that where you call back in six months and go, 
Hey, Harry, what's happening? It's Bo, man. Uh, how you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good, Bo. You guys ready to sell? He goes, I don't know. Marge, we ready to sell? <laughs> he goes from the background, yeah, tell Bo to come see us. That literally sure, that literally happened. That yep. exact call happened on a storage complex. And then go close a deal. And they lived right there on the property or whatever it was. They go there and... You know, she had a meeting room in the back, but but it was a nice storage complex. But they just had their their routine in that office, and they were when we first started hitting them up. No, we're not selling, and he threw out some crazy places, you know, during the two years. But finally, he called them up one day, and they go, "Martha, you want to sell?" And she yeah. said, "Yes." Yeah. And, and so now we own that. So, what are some of the links you guys gone to to you know getting contact, especially some distressed properties, some boarded mm-hmm. up. Obviously, real estate is a little bit easier. You can find it, you know, sometimes you could find the actual owner, but like, you know, what are some of the the, the, the things you guys have to do to go investigate and finally make contact with the person's decision? decision? I mean, with Google Earth, we're looking, we're the, the county websites, the, every app that's out there. We go to all <laughs> links. We'll drive anywhere. We'll fly anywhere. Um, we'll just go, you know, through the county website, find the an address and just go knock on the door and leave cards, whatever, at their home address, you know, because a lot of times it's hard to find these people. We had a property that we uh, contacted an old realtor. Uh, that guy was probably in Rotary with you, uh, Lynn Robinson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then yeah. uh, Lynn goes, I know the guy that owns that property. And we're like, dude, we cannot get him to reply. You know, he we couldn't close the deal. And Lynn's like, I'll go see him. He comes back. He goes, boy, things have gotten weirder than I've ever seen. I go, what happened? He goes, when I showed up at his house, he had a paper bag over his head with the eyes cut out. He didn't want me to see him because he got so old and he was a, a hoarder in his house. Yeah. And we got the freaking deal done. Yeah. You know, like, just by through, hey, if it doesn't work in, in, in our partnership, sometimes we'll go, mm-hmm. hey, Mike, you should probably take the lead on this one. I'm not really like resonating with these people. And so why don't you take a ta- you know, take a hit at it and see if you can try and get them to sell their, their property to us. But it's recognizing who's the best tool for the job and then using that tool. Yeah. And a lot of times people, it's just networking and letting people mm. know what you're looking for. And then once you close on a couple pieces of the property, they know you're the real deal. You know, mm. so, and then they just, honestly, it's kind of like a snowball effect also, because then people are just contacting us. So when you talk about building re- relationships and what we'll do to, to find those ones, we also do the same thing with realtors. We make sure we're upfront, honest. We don't just work with one realtor. So we're up front. Hey, guess what? If you're going to work with us, we work with a lot of realtors. So don't get your feelings hurt because we did a deal with you yesterday. Tomorrow we're doing a deal with someone else in the same town or whatever. There's just different reasons. If we're buying multifamily, we go to the best multifamily person. If we're buying light industrial, there's someone that's got all the light industrial. We go to that person. So we just we um, just try to be as honest as possible with either the homeowner or the the business owner or the realtor also. So mm-hmm. just being a being a good person helps a lot, and being friendly and being able to communicate. You yeah. should say you're going to do if you can really close on a deal, then you get a good name out there because yeah. then people think. Well, everyone says they want to buy that property. They want to close on that deal, but can you really do it? You tell somebody you're to call them back in six months. Call them back in six months. And guess mm-hmm. what? Six months later, call them again. Pretty soon, it's been two years, and now you've built a relationship. Now they know who you are, and now they're talking to you, and then the conversations keep going. And now they're they're because people get emotionally attached to their business, they get mm-hmm. emotionally attached to their property, and it's not always just the money; it's the people. They want to hand this off to someone that they trust. So now mm-hmm. you've built that relationship, and there's trust involved, and it's a fair price. So everybody's yeah. winning when everyone's doing the right thing. 
it's when greed and those type of people that get involved that aren't doing the right thing, that are just in it for the dollar and don't have love for the business or the real estate. I mean, we, I tell my, my managers, I go, these businesses are like my kids. When one moves away, I don't love them any less. They just went off to college. I just don't see them every day. So when I'm not at this business, don't think I'm not thinking and worried about you. I just mm-hmm. haven't seen you in a month or three weeks or whatever it's been. But I'm you're, you mean just as much to me as every business is just uh, is attached to my heart. Yeah. So what are some of the financing strategies you guys teach your, you know, your students? Because not all one, not everyone has, you know, the cash on hand. You talk about owner financing. Uh, can you share about some of the strategies you guys employ and teach your students? We've got so many creative financing ways of things done uh, to doing hard money. Um, One thing about like our real estate portfolio is we own 100% of it. Our partnership Mm. between me and Mike and then like his brother, we own 100% of it. Or if we've got a partner in the business, we're all chop it up evenly. Um, So what we will do is like with, with our situation and the partnerships that we have is if we have a business that we want to loan the money to make an acquisition happen, then that's an opportunity for that business to make money, interest on their money, and actually act as the hard money lender. So we will do that sort of thing. Not everybody has that to be able to do it. Um, so in other instances, when we first got started, we had some hard money lenders um, that we would reach out to, and we got their money back to them as quick as possible once we value-added the property that we bought and then took it back to a local community bank, refinanced it, and then gave them their money back. Um, the other thing to do is actually even bringing somebody in as a partner to be able to do it and their money uh, uh, acts as equity. You know, they're going to, they're going to get an equity stand in the property and we're long-term hold guys. So you got to have, find somebody that's interested in the same goals that you have in your real estate portfolio. Um, the other thing is just that there's never been a deal that we couldn't do because of money. So the thing is, if you can't do the deal, it means it's not good enough. Because if you can buy the Empire State Building for a dollar, of course you're going to be able to raise a dollar, right? So the thing is, you need to make sure that you find good deals. And once you find a good deal, you're a good person, you got an amazing deal, I will guarantee it in your phone is an uncle that's got money, a cousin you haven't talked to that's got money, a friend that's got money, somebody that wants to make money on their money. And then you've, you've got to have an open mind. You've got to look at life differently than what you've been looking at it. But what we teach and what we try to preach I don't care if you're a W-2 employee, self-employed, you have to be here and you have to be living below your means. So the first thing we teach is whatever you're doing, lawnmower business, make more money. Keep your expenses the same. When the profits start dropping out, take those profits and look for real estate investment. And then real estate investment, we never buy real estate at retail. We walk away from every deal at retail. The day we close, when we're in the escrow office signing or DocuSign, we have to know we're making money that day that we can sell it for more or we don't close. So the very first day we're making money, then we value add or do raise rates, whatever we have to do, but we make sure they cash flow. So out of the 150 pieces of property, we do not have one piece of property that does not cash flow. They either cash flow or we don't close. Now they might not cash flow the day we take over, but it's an old guy that got friendly with the, with the eight plex and never raised the rates since 1999. <laughs> We come in, take them from four hundred fifty dollars up to six hundred dollars, or whatever you know, whatever the market. Maybe it's eleven or whatever it is, but we make sure we can cash flow, and then it's easy to do it again. Once a piece of property is paying for itself, the tenants are paying down the debt. You're getting depreciation. It's going up three percent a year, four percent a year, whatever it is. Why not take those profits and go buy another piece of real estate 
because your live and blow your means, take more money, add it to that pile, and pretty soon you got one property, two turns, three, four, it just adds up. And then people want to connect to you because you're doing amazing things. And then it just yeah. gets easier. So, so my, my, yeah, my, my next question is kind of about mindset. And especially for, you know, your students who are doing their first deal and they're asking for their uncle for financing, right? And obviously they don't want to be the nephew that loses money for their uncle. So how do you kind of teach that student to have the confidence to, you know, obviously you can't guarantee it, right? But to have the confidence is, hey, yeah, we, we're going to go come out ahead when all is said and done. One, one thing we believe in is, one, you've got to keep it local, especially when you're starting out. Don't go bring your uncle something for, you live in Tampa and, and Tallahassee and you bring something in Boise, Idaho. Keep it local where everyone knows the neighborhoods and stuff. So from five to 10 mile circle, you know that area, right? Figure out what the rents are, take your time on it, but also ask for help. Ask for help. And now at the internet, you can help us. I mean, we'll, we'll give you help. Re reach out to Mike and Bo. We'll analyze the deal for you. So there's so much help for you out there that there's no reason you have to do it alone anymore. We did it alone and made a lot of mistakes. And now you don't have to make the same mistakes we made. We're going to help you. Or even if it's not us, you've got someone that will help you. you got to be able to ask for help. To help we you do we can coach you up on all the feasibility stuff too because we've been there where all of a sudden, all right, well, we check the rates and we check this and we check that. But then all of a sudden you realize that the market's going to get saturated because someone's opened a big complex just down the road that you didn't put that into the parameters of it. We've made all of those mistakes. So now we can guide people from, from avoiding those things. And it is a huge, uh, it's a huge thing to have that resource to be able to reach out to. The other thing is like, even whenever I was younger, I was just asking all the old cats in the neighborhood. Mike got involved in Rotary. You have to network within the circles that you have. Thank you. And if you're not hanging out with those people that are doing those things, you probably really don't want to be doing them. Yeah. Mm. You need to mm. get with like-minded people. Yes. Your buddy at the bar getting drunk and having a, you know, I want to start doing that too. You're never going to go anywhere. So it is a mindset, man. You've got to be a good person. You got to take care of your health. It's fitness. It's everything, man. The successful people that you're following, watch the Shark Tank. You see anybody you don't think taking care of themselves on that show? Show's been on for how many years? And I'll make a guess. Everybody looks like they're in top-notch shape, crystal clear. No one's hungover. It's not a coincidence. If you don't look like that in some way because you're taking care of your hard worker, then you, you probably should just keep dreaming. But if you're already a hard worker, get your life together. And then there's opportunities out there once you've got everything, you know, you're thinking clearly. You know, you got a mindset and then surround yourself by good people and it just starts growing. But you got to be in the right mindset. And that's where I think a lot of people just, they're not in the mindset. They're probably right where they should be anyways. But the other ones that are struggling, just like have, what we say is you take action and figure it the F out. But you got to take action. So you got to drop the fear. You got to get past that. You're going to make mistakes. There's not an, You won't read enough books to get all the knowledge to now I'm ready. It's never right. going to happen. So right. I'm not, right. nothing against those books, but they're not going to get the job done. Ever right. and everyone, I got. I know one guy who's read every single book. Blah 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 blah. I'm just like, dude, I don't want to hear about another book. I don't have time to read the books you read. I don't even know how the, <laughs> how, how the f you read that many books. But yeah. I was a parent. I didn't read one book. Got three mm -hmm. ancient kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We can get into business. You don't have to spend all the time just trying to figure it out. At, at one point, you got to jump in the water, man. Right, right, right. And I, I remember doing my first first real estate deal it was you know your first one's always the most nerve-wracking right and it's like hey am i doing this 
right? If I doing the the doing the right thing, and what if this blows up in my face, right? It's never like it's it's it, you know the first question, the first thought is yeah, you do it, but the, the lingering questions for the rest of the time is it's gonna blow up in my face. Um, I, I wanted to ask, you know, a lot of financial gurus how they they sell themselves as parking from the Lamborghini from the apartment mansion. They never really talk about the things that blow up in their face. So yeah. I do want to ask you, what are some of the deals or deals that you didn't do that, you know, you've learned a lot from, I would say. Yeah. Dude, Section 8 house. Yeah. That Section 8 that you guys did, you and Nina. Yeah. Um, we bought a 10 plus in uh, Hewitt, south of Houston, Galveston Island. And we bought it, we rehabbed it and everything. But it, um, our goal at that point was we were going to do Section 8. Well, we bought this piece of property. It was vacant, and so we had to remodel all the rooms and stuff. Got it, got it up and running, new appliances, everything. But we were never able to fill it. And come to find out, it was a it was a uh, square type building that had a small courtyard. Well, anyways, when we bought it, it was it was empty. We didn't do any research. But that was a drug den. That was a crack house. Everybody wow. knew that to be the place that that's where drugs and bad things had happened. And everybody but you, everybody best knew that. <laughs> Even when we got done with it, it still had a stigma about it. And then we put, um, we went to the section. That was our plan, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, we never got more than three different tenants in this place. And it was remodeled nice. We ended up selling it to a father and son. They were specialists in the Section 8. They filled it up right away. They knew what they were doing. There's a specialty type thing. Section 8 one of them. So the people that are good at that are really good at that. And they were really good at that. And so we worked. We stepped away, we did lose money on it, and we learned, hey, guess what? Stay in your lane. But when I first started out, one of the best lessons for me is I opened up a video store with a partner, um, a relative that lived in Fargo. So he comes down, helps me open. Back then, if you just got the doors open, you were making money. So the first year, money was flying in. It was way, we were way above projections. It was amazing. But he thought I knew more than I did, so he went back to um, Fargo, running his chain and, and expanding but I never had any staff. I never had any bookkeeper. I didn't even know what those things were. So I opened the mail that required me to turn the power, keep the power going, but I was just working the counter, running a skeleton crew, open to close nonstop until I had to start signing for my mail, which meant that was IRS, 941s, uh, state sales tax, um, all the things that I knew nothing about. It took me three years so then I hired a bookkeeper, but it took me three years of profits to pay the penalties and interest and get caught back up. So I was four years into a successful business and I was at zero. So the lesson there is you need to make sure you're taking care of the back office. Whatever business you open, whether you're going to be doing it yourself, which I don't recommend, is you need to have enough money to hire staff. It can be just one person. It can be you know in an office somewhere, whatever it is. But Staff is just as important as every single thing else you're going to be working on because everything has to be done right. And if it's not, it's going to screw you up. So I learned my lesson really young there. And now we have a great staff. Yeah. In that particular situation, I see that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Right. right? (laughs) And obviously with hindsight, it's 2020, but how do you even, you know, even get to that point, right? It's like, you don't know what you don't know. So how am I supposed to, who's going to tell me? Yep. Us. 
Yeah. That's the biggest thing for us. Honestly, like go back five years ago and we're watching social media and you're seeing all these get rich quick schemes and all this other shit. And Mike and I are looking at each other and dude, I'm following up on some of them. I'm like, okay, how are they doing that? Our account doesn't know what the hell they're doing because these guys aren't paying taxes, this and that. And then all of a sudden you take it down another road and then all of a sudden you realize, ah, it's all bullshit. Yeah. It's not real. Right? Yeah. You know, my, my, my accountant is uh, my best buddy from uh, high school. And uh, I'm going to see him all the time with uh, another TikTok and go, dude, look at this TikTok. This guy's not paying taxes on this and that. He goes, oh, that's such bullshit. He goes, quit following that shit. It ain't real, dude. Oh, yeah. And so it, you're always looking for, for the quick fix, the, the flip of the switch to make things happen. And Mike and I realized, dude, we got 30 years of grind that we've, we've really got something special that we can help people. They come into our office all the time. And we enjoy doing it. Yeah. So why not put it out there, man? Let's get people in and start helping them out, coaching them up. I love helping young entrepreneurs that are hustlers and grinders. And we get, we got a, uh, we got one young guy that's up in uh, Michigan right now. We've been coaching him for like nine months. The kid is killing it. You talk to him. On, we're on, uh, we're on a zoom call with them once a week and, uh, I get three, four months into it, realize he's only 21 years old and he's running this construction company, 21 years old. And just, he just needed somebody to talk to his family are entrepreneurs. He, he lives in a small community. It reminds me of us when we were kids, man, just getting started in business. So this dude loves us. We love the shit out of him because he's just like an old soul and he's scaling like crazy in his company just because he's got someone to talk to him, bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to just kind of really emphasize how valuable something like that is just to pick up the phone or a weekly call is just like, Thank hey, you. I run into this. No one in my circle can tell me about this because they all work for somebody else or they're just doing yes. the same thing. Yes. yes. Nothing bad about them. They just don't have the life experiences. Right. You know, yeah. that's, and when you do meet someone that has a like-minded, they'll talk forever. All of this information is free. It's free. Also, I'm a member of uh, I'm a board on the board of directors of a community bank, a local community bank. So I'm on the loan committee. So that was another thing that opened up to us. We were always afraid to go to the bank. You know, you're in front of the Wizard of Oz. What's behind me? Well, once you see, <laughs> it's just a table with a bunch of people sitting there. Yeah. There's nothing behind there. There's no secrets. Yeah. They yeah. only say yes to things that make sense. So now we know, and I know that everything. Like when a bank says, "These are how many points you got to pay." Guess what? You can negotiate that. Hey, this is the interest rate. I didn't know. You can negotiate that. Every single thing about business is negotiable. There's ways to save money, which is making money. But you got to you gotta learn as you go. And then you got to put yourself out there. And now with the internet, there's just so many. Everyone's got a cheat sheet is how I look at it because you got the internet. And you got people you can reach out to and get good advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you probably heard this uh Warren Buffett philosophy is obviously what we're talking about here, finding undervalued assets and, you know, purchasing them and putting in resources into them. And so far we've talked about death, disability, um, and pounding the pavement. <laughs> divorce is the other one. <laughs> divorce, no, divorce, right. Divorce, right. And and obviously pound the pavement. What what is I mean, besides those three and the one step after that, what is the first thing you look at as far as maybe financials go? Because it could be like there was that one deal you had, like the numbers, they want a top dollar, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you stepped away from that. But what goes into your financial analysis to then take the next step? One thing is, is trust, but verify. So everything has to be 
verified. You have to make sure that you're dealing with an honest person selling their company or their business. And you got to assume that the books are probably a little bit cooked no matter what because they're selling, right? So so they are. They, they're probably cooked a little bit. So proceed with caution. When someone's in a hurry for you to do something, don't do it. Do the yeah. exact opposite. When someone's in a hurry, stop, wind your watch, do whatever, automatically shift, downshift, do the exact opposite. If they run off, guess what? I used to chase deals like the Hope Diamond thinking that was the last one. But you know what? As I've gotten older, there's another deal coming tomorrow. If the deal we just told you about falls through, guess what's coming tomorrow? Something I haven't even seen yet. So one thing is just slow it down. There's nothing that's the last deal. So you don't really? have to have it. And I used to not think that way. I used to think I had to get every deal, make it happen, try to see the numbers, you know, to make it work. But now we're really honest with ourselves to the point where like, we make sure that this really is producing that, that it really is a demand for this product or service to just, you just, you learn to slow down, take your time, make sure you do your research and you can't go in blindfolded or dumb about it. You gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta do your work. You gotta, you know, when I was doing, uh, laundromats i went to every single laundromat in las vegas with a phone book because i wanted to know how other people were doing it and the things that they didn't like when i say when went to every one of them i didn't go to half of them i drove my 82 honda civic to every single one my girlfriend i'll go with you we spent two days there halfway through i go we're going to north las vegas now because you know, <laughs> i did my research you know and, and by the time i opened i had a beautiful laundromat turned into a chain of laundromats and i knew the business so mm -hmm. There's no, there's no secret thing. Of course, numbers are important, but mm -hmm. numbers, most people aren't really good at them. Again, get help, have someone else look at them with you. That's what I was going to say. You got to have uh, uh, put another set of eyes on yes. it. That's what, been one mm -hmm. nice thing about having like our partnership is, is mm -hmm. uh, one of us will take the lead on something and mm -hmm. then hold each other accountable to make sure that we're doing all of our due diligence, doing all, the complete mm -hmm. underwriting of it. And then what are we not thinking about? Mm -hmm. That question comes up mm -hmm. all the time. What are we not thinking about on this property? There's something that's yes. going to come up after we close on it. What? It, what's the one thing? You know, right. is it in a flood zone? Is it this? I mean, oh yeah, that's valid. Oh shit, you know, we, yeah. we should check on that. And when you're when you're in a partnership, that's one thing that we're fortunate to have. You know, we we're constantly coaching one another on things. Yeah. Hey, this is how I, I look at this deal, and this is how I'm going to handle it. What do you think? Yeah, I get what you're saying, but maybe look at it this way. Okay, good. Thanks, man. I didn't, but you know, but don't just look at a business and look at the numbers at the bottom line because I guarantee you it's going to look rosy at the bottom, the bottom of the page, the last page, go to the last page. It's always going to look good, but it's <laughs> not reality. That yeah. number is not going to be there. You're either you're forgetting about the financing, that the cost of money for you to make it there, which makes mm -hmm. that go to zero or less than zero, or flat out lying about the books. Those things happen every day. So you need to be careful. Do not buy a business just based on on the books. The other hand, don't buy a business based on someone's word either. So you have to have books to back it up. So it's a whole, it's a piece of pie, right? All the pieces got to be right. And there's, there's no one single thing to look for. You just got to see an opportunity. You got to believe in it, but it's got to be from your gut too. There's a lot of that. You got to dig in, man. Dig in. You got to dig in. We see that all the and time. We, dig we, in. Help, we help people with that and we've done it multiple times. And the, most deals fall through. Yeah. Most deals we don't buy. So and I mean most buy a lot. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. Think about this is if you're getting ready to buy someone's business, who's their biggest customer? All right. Well, I want to talk to your biggest customer. Yeah. Believe me, if you're coming to buy my business, and you're asking me for my biggest and baddest customer and what their thoughts are on me, you got it. 
anybody that I've done business with, you want their number, you want their, you know, I'll drive you to their house, whatever, because I got nothing to hide. Hey, who's, who's your biggest vendor? Who do you buy the most stuff yeah. from? All right. I want their number too. Cause guess what? I'm going to pay your bills. I'm going to find out more about you from them than what I'm ever going to find out from you. Everyone's yeah. got a rosy colored glasses, you know, talking about themselves yeah. or how great their business is. But I'll tell you what, Instead of telling me the best part about your business, what's the thing that sucks? Yeah. What do you hate about this business? Tell me. Yeah. I'll tell you everything about it, anything that I'm selling. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any industry that you guys won't go into? I tell you, now with the internet, um, I'm a, I love retail, but it's things have changed, man. So, because I, I love the personal interaction of selling you something, meeting you, and I, I just love you know, Houston more stories. It's still that way. So, um, you just got to be careful of trends, things that are changing. You know, you got to look into the future. You got to go, what's the trend? And there's a lot of things now that are changing. So, you got to be careful when you go out there and you're going to get into a business. Are you thinking about five years in technology? Um, what if you were going to be opening up a paralegal service and now AI is out? I wouldn't want to be in that business. You know, mm. so there's a lot of things like that. When I was in the video business, I knew a long time ago that something was coming. Everyone in our industry, we thought it might be through the phone. We would all get, we'd get to the conventions in Las Vegas and, you know, what's going to be changing? And it changed big time. And, but we all knew something was coming. We didn't know exactly how the internet was going to work and, and with movies and downloads. But we knew something was coming, you know, and so that was the reason I got out before and I got out profitable. I sold out at the right time. So you got to be looking at things, whether it's a, if you're going to do storage, hey, is there, is there any, a big competitor coming? Um, is there enough homes? You know, just every single thing has to be thought out and put some thought into it. But um, as far as industries, we love business. There's not a lot we wouldn't go into, but you got to be careful, man. And, and it has to meet your personality and your morals and things like that, too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're hanging out with Mike and Bo, business partners, real estate moguls. Is there any final thoughts you want to share before we get into the rapid fire lightning round about your keys about to find undervalued businesses? The biggest thing is, is, is uh, we're perplexed that more people aren't doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Recognize the fact of the benefits that are going to come from it and and get a mentorship program. If you're not reaching out to Mike and Bo, reach out to somebody, man, because it's going to happen. Mike and I, you know, I'm 51, Mike's 57. We got people that are reaching out to us now that we've grown up with that we thought were more financially stable than what they are. And they're crying the blues now. We feel bad for them. Yeah. We wish that they had more security in their life or for their retirement. And, uh, and it, it saddens me whenever I see good people that aren't doing something about it and they're, and they're very capable to do it. So if you've got that, about you and everybody should have a little something secure your future baby get yeah. into real estate business something because you're gonna need it you're gonna be sorry as shit we got people that are reaching out to us that we went to college and high school and shit with that are like dude i golf every wednesday and friday and i haven't done jack shit and i'm 55 now and i don't know what to do and i need to do something before it's too late get off your ass and go do yeah. something man chase it yeah and i agree with what we have people coming here and they're like, especially at the age right now where they're, like he said, you're they're 50 and they're sitting there and he's chit chat, chit chat. And then you realize, Oh, he's got a scared look in his face. He, he knows when he quits being the, the supply guy for whatever uh, sales manager, whatever his income stops that day. Even if you have the 401k, you have whatever you have, your social security, but you never thought about buying a fourplex that would have been paid off by now that you got $4,000 a month to just travel with, with that you want to, or, or, you know, 
RC cars, whatever you're into, you could have you could have planned. So even if you you don't have the drive that we have, at least get you something that hey, guess what? I bought it when I was 30, 35, and now it's paid for. It went up three percent a year. The debt went down, and now I've got something to, that I can retire with. So I'm not saying to stop investing in stocks, stop doing do whatever you're doing. But real estate is a great vehicle. If you're going to hold it long term, it's going to be hard to lose money. Just hang yeah. on to yeah. it. Don't die. It's going to make you money. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't really understand or acknowledge the tax benefits sure, of owning real estate. They think about the appreciation, think about the cash flow, but there's so many tax benefits. Absolutely. To real estate. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, thanks again for uh, for uh, sharing your wisdom, some awesome ideas. We're going to answer some, uh, ask you some really uh Rapid fire questions, so just answer the first thing that pops in your head. You're right. Yeah, let me answer a few of these. Go right? ahead. Yeah, don't take them. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so we'll throw some softball ones out there. Who do you look up to? Mike. I look up to this guy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. All right, bro. <laughs> all right. Honestly, there's um, there's been some people, some older gentlemen in my life that um, wasn't typical mentors, but I just learned a lot just by stealing little nuggets from people. So I've got some older gentlemen in the local area that I just go, wow, that was a great businessman, and I'm glad I knew him. What's the best business advice you've ever received? An old guy told me one time, goes, you know, Mike, if you bought one building a year in 10 years, you'd have 10 buildings. I called up my brother. I said, hey, this guy just told me that. What do you think of that? And we were like getting tired of retail, and he goes, that's a pretty good idea. Let's do that. The first year, we bought like three buildings. <laughs> so, but I, that's in the back of my head. And we, we started out buying real estate because of that guy's comment. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? Go for it, Mike. I think the, the, the first one, if I'm talking to anybody that's new out there, the rich man poured out, you know, rich dad, rich dad, poured dad, out, yeah. is, it's got to be the first one. To, and that kind of sets you up, you know, or you identify which way yeah. you're going to go. It just, it, it's a really clear book about what type of mindset are you? And then there's nothing wrong with either mindset. I, I believe in being happy, but that was the one that kind of, that sh I think everyone needs to read that one. That's the bottom. That's the easiest low to hang for you. So read that one first. Everyone has, and it's there's a reason why everyone reads it because it's good. Yeah, that's that's the first book that I read that really kind of transformed <laughs> my thinking about assets and liabilities. And sure. I wish I had read I I read that right when I finished law school. I was like, dang, I wish I had this book three years ago before I went to law school. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. What's um? Have you are you familiar with the term three feet from gold? No, no. Okay, so it's kind of a parable. The story goes, there's a prospector. He hears there's gold in them hills and buys the land, buys the equipment, digs, 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 doesn't hit anything. He sells it to the next guy, and that guy only digs three feet before he hits a bunch of gold. So the, the question is, how do you know as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, when to keep digging or to quit or to pivot or when you might just be three feet from gold? Dude, you got to run with your gut a lot of yeah, times. You know what I mean? And, it, it, when, we love partnerships and, and I value each and every partner that we have, you know, from Mike's perspective on things to his brother, Dino, to, you know, Philip Orange running Houston Motorsports. I value their opinion. So I, I would say um, just being able to stand down in some situations and let somebody else take the lead to, 
you know, to kind of get their perspective on something and, and honestly listening to what they have to say and not always feeling like it's got to be your way. I think that's a huge thing because at the end of the day, we all make mistakes and, and uh, we learn from those mistakes. So whether I make the mistake or Mike makes a mistake, I'm kind of okay with it in any way, mm-hmm. shape or form to, you know, because I hate to make a call myself and then it affect my partners. So, so leaning on them, I would say that's a big, uh, big thing for me. Yeah. Get, get, uh, get a better professional advice on whatever industry you're in to get whatever the bottleneck is, whatever the problem is, was whether it's going to be able to be uh, resolved or not. You obviously you put in enough time and you haven't been able to resolve the problem, which is getting profitable, right? Then I would, I would seek outside help to just, just help someone else see a different way. And maybe it is time just to pull the plug and there's no shame in pulling the plug, man. You've got to, you know, neither one of us are quitters, believe me, yeah. to, to a fault sometimes. That's why this is a tough question for us because neither one of us want to give up, man. I, I start something, I don't finish. I don't, t- I don't start taking some vitamin unless I'm willing to take it the rest of my life. I don't start a workout routine unless I'm willing to do it the rest of my life. And so I, on business, you know, we, we're long-term guys, man. We want to hold and we want to make sure it's going to make money. So sometimes um, that might even be a fault of ours, you know, is, is just maybe you should let go. So it's something that... Um, Maybe we could even do better on that one. What's the uh, thing that you spent $100 or less on that has greatly improved your personal life or your business life? $100 or less. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I would say uh, flowers for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, a, a gym membership that I actually use. Yeah. And, and I hold myself accountable to it. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm in a construction company that I'm I'm well involved with that company on a daily, but I will go there, get my guys going in the morning and come hell or high water within the next couple of hours of me getting my guys out in the field, I go to the gym. Yeah. If I don't feel good, if my back hurts, I, I, I have to start my day with a routine and, and a gym workout. And uh, it's not even just about being fit or healthy. It's about me showing myself that I'm disciplined and having confidence within myself because I know I never give myself any breaks. Yeah. I'm yeah. going. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I hurt because I'm going to the gym. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm at the point where you sneeze and your abs hurt because you just like, you know something? And you're like, ah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> You lose everything in your business. Uh, the only thing you have is your laptop, cell phone, and internet connection. How do you rebuild your business in thirty days? Honestly, with with just with um, with the relationships you already have, with the inner circle, with the people you know, finding a, recognizing an opportunity, and then having enough networking people that you can use their guidance, their advice, their finances, whatever. Just you got to be networking and being around like-minded people. And if you're a good person, someone's going to see value in you, and you'll be able to start over no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, because someone's going to want to connect with you. Yep. So I'll rebuild it four times faster. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I don't want that challenge. But I love that challenge. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't scare me <laughs> one bit because I, I, I'd be, I'd be curious to see how fast I could do it. Yeah. I'd be impressed to see how fast I could do it. I feel that confident about it because I've realized that from all my life experiences and all those things that I've taken in, it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think I think Robert Allen did this. You probably you know know of him, no money down guy. And I think for, the story I heard was, hey, to prove his system, like just drop me in any city, and the only thing I have is a phone, and I can buy real estate within thirty days or even less than that. So um, yeah, that, that's 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 pretty cool. All right, the final question is, what is the biggest challenge in your business today? Uh, finding uh, stacking us up with more good people around yeah. us, and not that there's not good people out there. It's just the amount of time that it takes to develop those relationships and then bring them on and then mm-hmm. keep on scaling. I, there's nothing like the culture of a, a good, successful business. We own multiple of them, but I just love stacking good people on top of good people to help scale the, the companies. Yeah. And so it's just it networking just, and finding those good people. Yeah. It used to be um, before the the pandemic, whatever it, it was, a di- everything has changed is the um, employer um, employee relationship is totally different now. And, and I think anybody in business will say that. And it's, it, you know, whatever happened to the bus boys that they don't exist anymore. You know, there's just things that are different. And so employees are worth a lot more now. They're harder to get. They don't want to work, whatever. So when you get someone that's good on your team, man, wrap your arms around them and love them because that's the biggest challenge in any business now. We look at like what it would take to staff that business. Yeah. And it's, it's every business has to be. So even like you said about the numbers, looking at a business, look at how you're going to find it's an AC company and you can be able to find enough text to get fill those vans. It's easy to buy a bunch of vans, get someone good to go in the van and do the work. It's a, it's really, really hard. And it doesn't matter how much you pay people. We try that too. That, that doesn't, it's not that. It's, it's something else. Yeah. The so, opportunity is in people. The businesses are everywhere. There's yeah. so many businesses. There's, there's times that Mike and I would look every time we walk into a place, we're thinking about the business and the numbers that it does and this and then yeah. that we're looking at that building that we're going to uh, uh, make a run at. And they had a mechanic shop that was very successful and they are, there is such a major need for, for uh, boat mechanics That's in our area. Thing. And you could charge whatever you want. But you just can't find the people to facilitate the business. If you could find the people, you could pay them double what a boat mechanic would go, and you'd, you'd still make money. Yeah, because you just can't find the people. It's rich guys with boats, right? What do they care? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They change yeah. the prop. It's three hundred, or it's nine hundred, or it's fifteen hundred. What's it care? Who cares? I need to get out on the water. Yeah. You're not going to charge me. You can't charge me too much. And so they closed their business because they couldn't staff the the boat repair shop. And they had twenty four boats. You said out there when they closed that needed repair. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So it's hey, people, people. Yeah. 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 Hey, Mike and Bo, thank you so much for hanging out. If our listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way? Um, I would say DM us on Instagram is one way of getting out to us. So it's Mike and Bo um, on Instagram. Reach out to us, hit us up there. The other thing is it's easy to text. So I would say if you text us at 928 605 that's 928 Shoot us a text and uh, inquire about Mike and Bo. Um, hit us up on on uh, the uh, off this podcast. Um, but if you uh, if you text us, uh, uh, in, inquire with Mike and Bo and, and shoot us a text. That's probably the best way to to reach out to us. We got a staff that'll get back to you right away. Yeah, so. definitely, man. Awesome. We'll put those contact information in the sh- uh, in the show notes. And thanks again for your time hanging out with us. And hopefully, we can get talk again soon. Yeah, right. definitely, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,